Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy. And you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. everyone welcome to too scary didn't watch the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch themselves i'm henley and i am too scared to watch scary movies i'm sammy and i love watching scary movies and so i watch them so that you don't have to and we are missing our dear sweet Mm. emily today i know i really miss her and i always forget that when she's not here, I have to do the opening and you always remind me moments before. And I'm so grateful that <laughs> I hadn't been thinking about it because man, it would have stressed me out. How hey, do you do that opening? You nailed it. You knocked it out of the goddamn park. I You're mean, pro. You're an absolute pro. I'm pretty sure I have it freaking memorized at this point. Um, I, but nonetheless, yep. when you're put on the spot, you can't help but be like, Whoa. Hate, hate being put on the spot. I really do. It, I freeze up. My brain just stops working. Uh, this is why sometimes I think about what it must be like to be an actor in a TV series or in a film. How do they do it? How do they do it? Well, they have lines like written down. <laughs> oh, like they're not mem- like they're not like memorizing lines. Well, yeah, no, I guess they are memorizing lines. But the thing that I'm just. The thing that scares me more is um, improvising. Like, I don't understand how people Mm. improvise things. It's so fun to watch and the like freedom Mm -hmm. that their mind can just be like, let's say this now without like completely overthinking it a thousand times like I would do is, I don't know, it's just a skill that I don't possess. (laughs) I am right there with you. I think I really don't possess the skill of having like a bunch of people look at you at the same time and tell you to perform. That's why <laughs> the podcast is great because no one's looking at me. And it's true. That makes it a lot easier. It does make it easier. <laughs> um, but aside from Emily not being here, is any, has anything scary happened to you this week? Henry? Uh, okay. So I think the thing I want to talk about is how I spent the past week in Los Angeles. And she sure myself. did. It was really special and great and an amazing trip. And I had such a good time. And I'm still kind of like fully processing everything that happened. So it was really, really busy. Um, and it was the first time I was away from Silas. And that was that was hard. But you know, it's all it's all fine. Um, I was staying in a hotel by myself, obviously. And I think the thing there are a couple things. One, you kind of I, I realized that I definitely have a tendency to romanticize a hotel room. Mm-hmm. I was so looking forward to a hotel room by myself, deeply yep. looking forward to it for weeks before this trip happened. Then I got there and I was like, oh, I'm like sad and lonely. <laughs> 
and the hotel room is like not my bed and yeah i i was kind of surprised to feel that way because i i didn't i thought maybe by the end of the week i'd be feeling that but i felt it right away so that was strange and then the second strange feeling was how right away i had a i had a little friend join me in that hotel room oh no in the form of a cockroach oh no (laughs) oh no and i phrase it that way because i was already feeling quite lonely in the hotel room (laughs) so when the cockroach showed up i am not kidding i was like oh cute (laughs) (laughs) another living being (laughs) to accompany me (laughs) i had this really like strange reaction because i think that if i saw a cockroach in my apartment in my house that was this size because it was fucking huge it was a huge cockroach yeah they get big i would be pissed and stressed and not happy there was something weird going on my emotions were fucking all over the map when i was in la because this cockroach showed up skittering skittering all over my apartment my my hotel room and i didn't even think about killing him i was like oh I was like, there's a cockroach in here with me. Cool. And then I was like, oh, right. I have to like do something about this. And long story short, I ended up killing him. But I didn't do anything else, which is kind of maybe insane thinking about it. I didn't tell the hotel. I didn't try to change rooms. I didn't like... I was like wondering what possibly the else could be like rip its legs off one by one. (laughs) (laughs) So you stopped yourself. I didn't go further than killing it. I stopped at the murder. (laughs) I flushed it down the toilet. But the thing is, the next night, right before going to bed, two more cockroaches in my room. Can you believe that? And so then I had to change rooms at midnight. Like literal, mid- it was actually midnight. Oh God, um, it was horrible. Well, not to make this about me, but please, <laughs> uh, Henley's hotel was about two blocks away from my house, and so now I'm very nervous. But there's going <laughs> to the be cockroaches. The infestation has reached your house. There's no. It's a little way. too close for comfort, you know. Okay, so I think my reasoning was in that first room. Well, so this is a nice hotel. Should I out the hotel? Is that rude? Mm, I think I'm going no, to. No, because then you're outing where I live. Oh, good point. Okay, never mind. Well, the hotel was right next to a pool. Like my room, my room with scene of the crime was right next to a pool. Like footsteps. Footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> Steps so the, away from so a pool. So the little cockroaches were just doing their little backstrokes and then coming right <laughs> Like coming right into your room. There's a connection. There's a connection. <laughs> and I don't know what it was. But like, there's a connection. Pa- the pool party's over here. This is the closest room for when we're done at the pool. <laughs> the cockroach doing backstrokes. <laughs> um, that's outrageous. Um, I don't know. That's what I have to say about my week. A lot of other stuff happened, but that was a real confrontation with some insects, some large insect life that I have not had to deal with in, in a long time. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Cockroaches are one of the one of the worst parts of L.A., <laughs> worst things in L.A. <laughs> and Ooh. the mosquitoes. Don't get and me started. OK, Sammy, tell me about you, though. Um, Well, it was lovely having you here for this past week, Henley, for my birthday week as well. And I just 
we had a very activity loaded week. We went to see Top Gun again, a lot of dinners and, uh, you know, the aforementioned pool, hanging out by the pool. And I was just so freaking exhausted afterwards. It's like four days of activities is <laughs> enough to just I need to sleep for three days. And just it made me feel a thousand years old. <laughs> I felt I'm, so tired, too. I'm a little more energized today. Just a little bit, though. Just a little bit. But I was going to talk about the I finished the staircase last night. Oh, I still haven't started it. It's really good. Uh, I have been having a kind of... Uh, I've been like rejecting TV a bit. I've been mad at TV. I feel mm -hmm. very overwhelmed by the sheer quantity of TV shows constantly being released basically every new week. It's like, here's 20 more hours of television that you have to watch. And so I'm, you know, protesting it a bit, but yeah, Tony, Tony fucking Colette. I mean, <laughs> she'll, she'll draw me in no matter what. I got to check it out. And yeah, I watched this. I think it's like eight hours long. They do the thing where each episode is over an hour, which I don't love, but it was so good. And true crime really sucks you in, in a way that other things don't. I, I literally can't, I don't know if this is going to sound insensitive, but I cannot imagine being someone that has been affected by anything like this uh -huh. because the way that it affects me as someone who is a completely no skin in the game bystander, like I'm like, so it makes me feel crazy that I like mm -hmm. can't know. I think my, for the record, I do think Michael Peterson did it, but it's like the fact that you can't know for sure is so crazy. Uh -huh. <laughs> and you just have to live with that. You just have to live with that. It makes me feel so insane. And I feel like I was like, if I, I think if I could have any superpower, it would just be to know the truth of any crime scene. Like, I want to know. Oh if, my God. <laughs> Wait, there's so many TV shows that are about people who have that I know. superpower. I, I think it would actually be like a horrible, horrible burden, but it'd be a terrible burden. Well, it would depend on how the it would, the power would manifest itself. If it, the, if it was the type of thing like in Hunch of Hill House where you like touch someone and you could like feel all of their emotion and see everything they knew and feel all of their pain, that yeah. would be particularly bad. That'd be rough. But maybe if the superpower was like you could just get uh, bullet pointed facts on a sheet. Yeah. Yeah. All the emotion taken out of it. No emotion, no visuals. Just no give me the facts. going through it. Just give me the facts. But you'd have to then still, I think dedicate your life to that right like i feel like you could absolutely continue on with your normal like i'd probably have to quit the podcast <laughs> that would be devastating that would be, be like sorry guys i have a power i have a superpower now and i have to go help families that have been affected by horrible murders that would be my 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 duty yeah, but you can make a podcast about that and we could help you with that. That's <laughs> so true. There we go. I want to have my cake and eat it too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So Staircase, you highly recommend. I recommend it. And I'm also now, I feel like going to have to go back and watch the 13-hour documentary series that's on Netflix, which I'm also pissed off about because, again, I just don't have time. I don't have time. Sammy, you don't have to watch all of this content, you know. You can say no. You have to have boundaries. I know. I know. I know. 
It's really tricky. It's tricky. Maybe, you know, after a few days, the urge will go away, diminish because right now it's just very top of mind for me. And I'm just obsessed with the facts of this crime. The fucking owl theory is so crazy to me. And, you know, so they even get into that. And they did actually. Yes. Um, And it's oh, my God, it's compelling in a way. I definitely don't think it's true, but. Wait, give a little give a little recap of what this is about if anyone is oh, yeah, I guess. not aware. So it's it's a man named Michael Peterson who most likely murdered his wife Kathleen and she was found at the bottom of a staircase with lacerations in her head but no skull fractures and which is like a pretty unlikely injury and there was tons of blood and he said she just fell down the stairs and it's like what like she absolutely didn't just fall down the stairs Mm -hmm. but the way that her skull is cut kind of matches owl talons and there are (laughs) there were barred owls in the neighborhood nesting at this time and she was did have micro feathers in her hair. And I don't know, it's just it's just fascinating and also just devastating that it's a real thing. And we were watching a fictionalized version of it. It's just crazy. True crime sometimes really like trips me up in my head. And I'm just like, this is so crazy, like that this is entertainment when it's something that really happened. But like at the same time, I am so riveted by this and so mm-hmm. fascinated. And I need to know every single fucking detail. And everyone then gets like doing their own research on the by themselves. And it's just it's just crazy to me. But I have to say, I am not someone who's very into true crime. I don't pursue it. I think it's a lot of people love it and they listen to it all the time. I have one friend Mm -hmm. who was like, I had to, it was like an addiction. I had to like literally force myself to stop looking at these true crime websites because I couldn't stop myself. Yeah. Like it was just so compelling. But this is reminding me of when I got really into all the Nexium stuff last year. Yes. (laughs) And I watched like every um, documentary on Nexium, read every article I could possibly read on Nexium. And part of the reason why I think I found that story so compelling is because I was like, fuck, like I could see myself getting like in a, in the right context. Right. Think about how lonely I was in that goddamn hotel room with that one cockroach. Like (laughs) I could get pulled into a cult willy nilly, willy nilly. I think of myself as a very rational person, intelligent, rational person. And that the the true t- true crime documentary on Nexium taught me that like that doesn't matter right it's like, a very slow brainwashing process yes yes and that really scared me and fascinated me it and is. i guess that's what that that's the hook on true crime right is that you like learn something a little sinister about life and and like how human psychology you. and like mm-hmm. the people you think you know you might not really know like that people are capable of putting on a front mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. being a nice family man with you know six kids or whatever he has and then six kids it's a lot of kids i think it's maybe five and now i can't remember and they're not all biological but uh yeah it is it is wild 
uh, humanity, man. It's crazy. Humanity. (laughs) Really wild. Um, But the other scary (laughs) thing I did this week was I saw this week's movie, which is a new release. Uh, It is Crimes of the Future. God, I can't believe we're doing this as a video episode. It makes a lot of sense that we're doing it as a video episode. But Cronenberg, baby, we got to do it as a video episode. God damn it. God damn it. (laughs) Uh, So, yes, written and directed by David Cronenberg, starring Viggo Mortensen, Leia Seydoux, Kristen Stewart and Scott Speedman. It is currently in theaters. And yeah, we did a video episode for The Fly and... Obviously, David Cronenberg is uh, the king of body horror and gross imagery. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got to I I just got to show you I got to show you some of these things. And listeners, if you want to see some of the photos I'm about to subject Henley to having to see visually, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. God, anyone who's um, listening and not watching, we will be sure to very thoroughly describe any of the gorgeous images that Sammy has chosen. The first one, um, is that Figo Mortensen? Yes. Okay. It's hard to tell. He's bald, uh, white face, looks like he's a vampire in a a freaking crypt what the hell is going on there i mean you'll explain but just so everyone knows what i'm staring at right now and it's already i'm not happy about it (laughs) (laughs) i haven't seen basically any cronenberg films other than the fly and this one now which is really fascinating because i've I've like I love the fly and I've been meaning to see more and I just have not done it yet. And then yet again, after seeing this one, I'm like, God, I, I got to watch more Cronenberg. <laughs> but could you do it all like all together? Or do you need to space them out? I think it probably depends. This one, I would say I could have done another one. I considered coming home okay. and watching another one right after this. Okay. This I think is less devastating than the fly. Some of his films get very sad and from what i've heard i think videodrome is another one that just makes you feel really bad and that probably you wouldn't want to jump right into another cronenberg right after the thing that i that i that i truly hate truly hate beyond horror and gore is just the feeling of devastation the feeling of sadness yeah and i cronenberg to me makes me think of that even though I have no reason, I have no backing for it. I've never seen anything that he's done. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel too devastated from this one. I thought it was had some it's exploring some interesting stuff and it doesn't but it doesn't really go, I think, far enough for me to to feel truly very sad. And I think one of the main reasons that is, is because none of the characters are fully realized like they're all kind of caricatures and so Mm. you're able to disconnect emotionally yeah i I don't feel as like i'm with them and yeah invested so that helps it feel like less of a gut punch at the end and so um that probably helped I, i that said i i very much enjoyed this film i thought it was 
a lot funnier than I was anticipating. I think it's going to be very hmm. difficult for me to get across the humor to you. <laughs> But just know that it, there were there was a lot of laughs in the theater, and not just me, other people too. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, okay, let me give us some stats about it. Okay. Uh, it has a seventy nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, a sixty five percent on Metacritic, and a six point six on IMDb. I believe the budget was thirty five million. I didn't. It was hard to confirm that, but that was the only number I found. And so far, it's made two million. And I was thinking about this with uh, this is uh, Neon is the uh, distributor, and they're kind of Neon and A twenty four. I feel like do similar types mm. of films, mm-hmm. and I feel like some of them just don't make money. <laughs> Like, I don't think that this movie will make more than 35 million, but Mm -mm. it's just very cool that it's made. And if Neon's just like, hey, and Neon, I don't know if they're the ones fully financing everything. I know it was a co-production with um, Canada and some other company, too. So I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool that people are like, well, it's David Cronenberg. Like, of course, we're going to finance it. Like, who cares if we make money? That's great. I think I wonder if it's the same structure as like the book publishing industry. And I mean, everything really where you have your like tentpole films that actually make money. So you can make things like this that don't that don't make money. (laughs) Right. But then with a company like Neon or Neon, which is smaller. Yeah. yeah. What are their tentpole films? I think I I think Teton did do well, but not that well. Not like they don't have a Marvel film, you know. I think actually I heard that A24 was struggling a bit and A24 just implemented this new subscription thing where you can join. It's like triple A24 and Whoa. you pay five bucks a month and get access to very limited things. I joined. Of course, I joined. And <laughs> you get like part of their they post stories on Instagram to a close friend circle. You get into the close friend circle. So you get like access to things before other people. I just got a free birthday gift and <gasps> you get a monthly zine. But I read that they were doing that just because they're not making enough money. Wow. That's really sad because A24 I think of as being like one of the more successful companies that's producing stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I don't actually know anything about what's truly going on, but I just think it's kind of fascinating and I would like to know more about how that all works because I want to make sure that A24 and Neon stay in business. Me too. That's very important. Um, Some trivia for us. This (laughs) makes me laugh so much. David Cronenberg made another movie called Crimes of the Future in 1970. Plots are unrelated different it's just a different movie (laughs) are you serious (laughs) what just a title so nice he had to use it twice so nice he had to use it twice (laughs) i just love that that's crazy he's like no one will remember (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah I, i i certainly didn't but so this is his first original script since Existence, which was 1999. And the working title of that film was Crimes of the Future. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. He loves this title. I guess this is like 
Oh, the, the thesis of his life, right? Yeah. On all his movies, kind of crimes of the future. That's just what they're all about. I think so. There, there are a lot of dystopian future, uh, yeah, bad things happening in humanity and what we'll do to survive and how we'll adapt to uh, all these things. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of probably a through line in a lot of his themes in his films, but it just really made me laugh. That's that's wild. I would love to hear his take on it. If he like really thought it through, it's really there's like a whole reasoning behind it. Or if he was like, no, I just couldn't think of anything else. (laughs) Oh, it's very funny. So this script is largely adapted from an earlier project Cronenberg had written called Painkillers, which was in development in 2002 with Nicolas Cage attached, which Mm. pretty sad we didn't get that version. Mm -hmm. I would have absolutely loved to see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kristen Stewart replaced Natalie Portman in her role of Timlin. Fun name. Timlin. 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 Uh, And this is the fifth collaboration between David Cronenberg and Viggo Mortensen. Cronenberg directed Mortensen in A History of Violence, Eastern Promises, and A Dangerous Method. And Mortensen directed Cronenberg in Falling. Interesting. Cronenberg has acted? I guess so. I think when I pulled up his IMDb page today, actor was listed first. Okay. I don't think he's... Uh, I'm sure it's like small parts. I don't think he's like, it's probably more of cameo type things. Okay. But again, I don't know. And that's all the trivia I have. So shall we watch this trailer? Oh, we're watching it? (laughs) Yeah, baby. I want you to really get an idea of what we're about to see, what we're about to talk about. Sure. Are you sure? Oh my god, I already am not a fan of whatever the fuck this first frame is. No. Hey, you're not gonna like it. I can feel you pulling things around in there. It's a brand new organ. Never before seen. We've all felt that the body was empty. Empty of meaning. And we've wanted to confirm that so that we could fill it with meaning. The world is a much more dangerous place now that pain has all but disappeared. Surgery is sex, isn't it? Is it? Mm. You know it is. Surgery is the new sex. I don't like what's happening with the body. In particular, what's happening with my body. Which is why I keep cutting it up. What do you think they'd find inside it? Outer space. Whoops. Sorry. Let us not be afraid to map the chaos inside. That will guide us into the heart of darkness. Thank 
God, Emily isn't here to witness this. <laughs> Emily particularly would hate this. She would hate this. I hate this. To clarify, I also hate this. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. So let, let me let me understand. Um, we're in the future. You can't you can't feel pain. And so to feel like sexual feelings, you have surgery. It, roughly, yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Surgery is the new sex. <laughs> that was Kristen Stewart's line. Surgery is the new surgery. Surgery is the new sex. sex. Surgery is the new sex. I hate this. Uh, and just to put this out there, I think this is my favorite Kristen Stewart performance of all time. I'm obsessed what? with her performance in this. I thought she was incredible wow she was so funny her choice her, her character choices are just incredible <laughs> she was she was funny she was funny yeah how is this film gonna be funny it's really i'm not gonna be able to get across the humor <laughs> i just want to again reiterate that but it really is funny you Ew, just have to trust so, me <laughs> so much body horror in this they do not shy away the prosthetics department was working overtime on this movie. I got to say, I mean, again, you're probably not going to believe me, but I think it's it's a more mild body horror than The Fly and some other things because I think because specifically because they don't feel pain, it's Yeah, that's actually huge. It's that's nobody really is important. suffering in any of the body horror scenes, like it's they're enjoying themselves actually and so it takes the sting off and you're kind of just like, okay, they seem to be having a pretty good time. <laughs> that's huge. That's that's actually huge. Yeah. That makes such a big difference. Yeah, and there's not a lot of blood. It's Kind of just organs. <laughs> oh, still gross. Still gross. Okay, shall we? It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like, for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County. And they've been around for 10 years and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker. So you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. 
That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact get into this yeah let's fucking do it let's get into it okay so disclaimer that i saw it in theaters last night and there was quite a few times where i was like i don't know what the fuck is going on (laughs) so this one more than most new releases i'm gonna get some stuff wrong because i just kind of it's it's a little out there (laughs) um but i'll do my best so we start with a little boy. Uh, oh, I hate this. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. I saw this in the trailer and I was like, let's pretend that didn't happen. I hope this little boy doesn't have anything to do with this plot of this movie. He does trigger warning. A boy dies in this film. God, <laughs> motherfucker. God, motherfucker. Fuck. It's always a little boy. A little boy. So we start with this little boy on the shore. There's this cruise ship capsized in the background. Oh, that's what that is. I couldn't figure out what that was. I want, Okay, now I see that it's a cruise ship. Okay, yeah, which is it. like a pretty unsettling image. I feel like it sets the tone of like, all right, already I feel this is a little post-apocalyptic. And... Yeah, so this boy is just digging through the rocks along the shore and his mom calls out to him angrily, uh, Brecken, don't you dare eat anything you find out there. I mean it. I don't care what it is. And he comes back inside and brushes his teeth and then curls up under the sink and starts eating the trash can, the <gasps> plastic trash can, just taking big bites out of it. And white foam is coming out of his mouth as he's doing it. And Ew. his mom eventually sees him and looks pissed, but t- like tired of yelling at him for this, like clearly something he does all the time. And she waits till he goes to sleep that night and she smothers him with a pillow and kills him. What? What? (laughs) Why? Little boy death right off the bat. What? (laughs) This is a horrible way to start this movie. (laughs) Okay. So she's just pissed that he was eating so much plastic. So she needed to murder her, her child. Yes. All right. That's fascinating. Okay. We'll find out a little more about that later. She then makes a phone call to the boy's father and basically says, if you want to come get your son's body, it's here. 
what this woman is fucking brutal yeah and so the dad shows up it's scott speedman and he finds the boy's body and cries that's really sad scott speedman what has he been in besides felicity um i can't tell you i don't know but he i thought he was really good in this and he's oh you know what he's in he's in that TV series remake of Animal Kingdom. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Which is I I really like. I mean, I really like the movie Animal Kingdom and I watched some of the show. I didn't I fell off of it eventually, but there've been a bunch of seasons of that. I feel like I see like posters for it all the time. Yeah. Okay. Copy that. So, then we cut to Viggo Mortensen in his little alien looking oh bed. My. that is so funny it looks like he's attached to a large heart yes it everything has this kind of biological feel to it like it's part alien part technology and all practical very cronen cronenbergy looking and um, he wakes up in this little pod and he's woken up by Leia Seydoux's character, whose name is Caprice. And his name, Viggo Mortensen's name is Saul Tenser. I had a really difficult time with these names in the beginning. It, I don't know, Tenser and Timlin and Caprice. And I was just like, <laughs> like what, what, who's who? So... Tensor says to Caprice that something's wrong with the bed and it's not anticipating his pain as well as it should. And so he wakes up in pain and like you see a bit that the bed had been trying to make adjustments to him in the night. And so something with this machinery in this day and age, future time, whenever this is, uh, we don't know when it is, but it's clearly the future. And the machinery interacts with your biology in a way that it's like picking up your signals of pain or something. So does the machine keep everyone from feeling pain or have people like evolved to a place where they don't feel pain? They have evolved. Yeah. Okay. So he wakes up and then moves from his alien bed into an alien looking chair that's like, <laughs> it looks like a little human spine with arms that cradle him. <laughs> and again, this like shakes him around. This is when he's eating. Let me see if I, you see his little food bowl there. He's eating and his body seems to not properly be able to swallow without this chair wiggling him in such a way that it's helping the food down his esophagus and he he's like choking as it's happening like, <coughs> like it's a very ew, 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 ew. gross scene where ew. he just can't seem to eat uh on his own anymore and it's clearly he's really really struggling to get this food down okay so is he sick or like, I guess we'll find out. We're going to find out. Okay. So then Caprice puts him in this little chair. Ooh, another chair. A more normal looking chair this, this time. This is a more normal looking chair. And she uses some tools to look inside of him at his internal organs. And she says that there's a new organ there. a An, an organ that 
they've never seen before. What? So people are just growing new organs. Yes. Huh? Yes. And tensor more so than others. This is something that happens to him quite frequently. And so, yeah, they don't seem they're not alarmed by this in any way. They're like, OK, we know what to do. We've got to head to the National Organ Registry. <laughs> OK. And so they head to the National Organ Registry. And as they're walking down the street. Oh, it's a it's, it's a walk away. It's it's they're just right they're, they're pretty close and everything is very <laughs> bleak outside. It looks the the streets are all dark and run down and mm. it's not like a active city. It's thriving metropolis. No, it's it's, it's a pretty deserted. Pretty deserted. There are some people uh they pass by Scott Speedman and he is with a group of two other people that basically look strung out kind of, but instead of doing drugs, they're just slicing into each other's skin. So they're just Ew. stabbing each other. Oh, Tensor and Caprice get to the National Organ Registry and Tensor's wearing this cloak, this big, he like looks like a ninja a lot of the time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's really funny. He usually covers the bottom half of his face too. So only his eyes are visible. And in the National Organ Registry, we meet Whippet and Timlin. Timlin is Kristen Stewart. And it's just basically one room and that they seem to be the only two people that work at the National Organ Registry. Pretty bare bones operation. And again, yeah, Kristen Stewart is her vibe is so funny. She talks really slow and I mean, really fast and is like kind of creepy and seems <laughs> like she like knows who they are already and uh, really likes Viggo Mortensen's character. I can't remember <laughs> okay. anything she says, but she's just like, yeah, we gotta, come on, come on over here and uh, we'll, we'll, get, the, we'll <laughs> okay. get the organs registered. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we get a little bit of backstory here from uh, Whippet that... Yeah, basically, he says the world's a lot more dangerous now that we've all evolved to not feel pain, it kind of like due to uh, pollution and climate change. People's bodies are developing vestigial organs and their job is to catalog them and they also tattoo them because they don't want any evolution happening that shouldn't be happening, I guess. It's a little unclear. <laughs> okay. And the tattooing is to... What's the purpose of the tattooing? I, we don't know. I guess story-wise, I know what the purpose is and we'll find okay, that out okay. later. Okay. But I'm not sure what the purpose is in this world. It's a labeling, me it's a labeling yeah, method. Yeah, I think it's just like to show that it's not a natural organ. It's like, this is, mm. you weren't mm -hmm. born with this. It's something to mark it so that it differentiates it from the rest of your organs. Okay. Uh, we learn also that Tensor and Caprice are performance artists and Tensor grows organs quite frequently and Caprice cuts them out in front of an audience. So they oh, do li Jesus. live surgeries. Oh, they very much think of themselves as artists. And Timlin, again, is like very fascinated by this. But so they they look at his new organ and they tattoo 
to it and let him go. And uh, Caprice is like, yeah, we're going to have our show and we're going to cut this organ out because he grows organs so quickly that it could kill him. Like his body is basically Mm -hmm. revolting against him. And yeah, they just fear that if they let it, let the organs continue to grow, like he'll probably die. Ew, that's so gross to think about. I hate that. (laughs) That's so gross. So they go back to their home and two technicians come to fix his bed that was kind of malfunctioning earlier. And these two women, and they're also very funny. And they're really excited to see, like, they're looking at a catalog of the all the equipment he has that's from the company that manufactures this bed. They're, they're, they're like, oh, my God, he has so-and-so machine. Like, oh, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, can we see it? And the thing that they're excited about is he has an autopsy machine that's apparently has been out of production for a while. They've never seen one. It was before their time. And... Tenser says that's Caprice's paintbrush. That's what they do their performance art in. Okay. So when they're removing his organs, they do it in this autopsy machine. That's the autopsy machine? It's the top half of it. So the, the it has like a it has a bottom opening too, so you can see the chest area, chest and stomach area, and then it has a face opening. So all very alien looking. It kind of looks like he's in a, the mouth of a shark. Mm-hmm. It's a little like, what's his name? H.R. Geiger that did all the alien stuff, too. I feel like it looks has that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And so then we get into their performance that they're going to uh, cut out this new organ. And are they are they actually doing the performance? Yes. Like in front of people? In front of people, people. There's people there. People are taking photos. But it's all kind of... Um, there's no what we would think of as modern looking technology like people have almost polaroid looking cameras mm. and the all the TVs that they're projecting things on are old old looking TVs like r- kind of retro looking but yes there is an audience there and one of the people in the audience is Scott Speedman and he is like leaning against a wall, looking all cool, cool guy, but like pissed off about something. And he opens a little candy bar thing that's purple and is eating this candy bar and sets it on a counter. And we see that the two technicians are also there watching, really excited by what's happening. And this other guy picks up his candy bar and takes a bite out of it. And Scott Speedman glares at him, but doesn't do anything. And then the guy who ate the candy bar starts convulsing and basically has a seizure and foaming purple from the mouth and dies. And nobody seems to care. Like, they're all just like, shouldn't ate that candy bar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Scott Speedman knew he was probably going to die if he ate some of his candy bar. Yes. Does that feel like? Yes. All right. Okay, sure. And we see that Timlin and Whippet are also at this performance. Timlin, again, is uh, so intrigued by everything she's seeing. And Are they going to have a threesome? No, unfortunately not. Okay. I'm glad, we, I'm glad I asked, so I just wasn't <laughs> expecting that to happen the whole time. But 
Caprice has this little control unit that operates this autopsy machine that she attaches to her chest and she's like pressing buttons on that. It's all very, all done very sensually like this performance has a real sexy vibe even though what is happening (laughs) is not sexy sexy. she is cutting into his chest and using the little mechanical arms to cut out his new organ that we see does have the tattoo on it from earlier and then after the show tensor is like laying down on a couch exhausted from having his Oh, he looks so sleepy. <laughs> and I read somewhere in some of the trivia that Viggo Mortensen has actu- actually recently been kicked by a horse and couldn't stand for too long. And so a lot of his scenes he's laying or sitting down. I couldn't find that anywhere other than IMDb. So I don't totally know if it's true, but he is certainly lying down a lot. Yeah, these are crazy looks. These are crazy looks. Yeah. Because she's wearing, Caprice is wearing, or Leah, how do you say her last Sedu, name? Sedu. Leah Sedu. Sedu is wearing like a full crimson blood colored like ball gown and her hair is done up like she's from like the 19th century. And then he's wearing a full ninja costume <laughs> with the hood up still, even though he's like indoors and lounging. <laughs> And it doesn't feel necessary to have the hood up unless he has a chilly little head. And then Kristen Stewart's there dressed like she's a fucking um, candy. What are they called in a hospital? A candy striper. A candy striper. Yeah, she's got her hair very slicked back in a tight, tight high pony and collared shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, Timlin, comes to his side after the surgery and says, can I ask you an intimate question? And he says, yes. And she says, surgery is sex, isn't it? And <laughs> he says, is it? And she says, you notice surgery is the new sex. And again, just very funny little vibe. And <laughs> these choices. <laughs> and she... I think she says to him how when Caprice was cutting into him, she wished he was cutting into her. Like basically it made her horny and he, she wants him to perform surgery on her. Mm. And Caprice looks a little jealous by this, but I don't know what their (laughs) relationship is fully. Tough cookies. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, And no threesome is on the horizon, Caprice. So don't get your hopes up. No. So after this, when they go back home, immediately Tenzer is growing another organ. And Caprice says, oh, it's happening faster. This is your body's changing faster. The interval between this is getting um, less and less. Like we need to really keep an eye on this. This could be dangerous. And then they have, you know, the new sex. They get naked together in the autopsy bed and basically just slice each other up Ah! god i don't like that at all no thank you oh they look happy about it though covered in blood (laughs) yeah um yeah i can't i i wouldn't call it it's not super sexy i don't think yeah no (laughs) i don't think so i don't think so is it supposed to be I mean, it's like the music is sexy and they're like, I mean, they're hot. 
and Nikin. <laughs> oh, I think he's probably trying to create that dissonance on purpose. I'd imagine. Yeah. But okay, so this is kind of where I think I I'm I start to get a little confused. So we're just okay. gonna see how we do here. So Great. at some point we meet a detective who asks Tensor to he basically like needs his help infil- infiltrating some sort of group of uh, radical evolutionists. Wow. Don't know what that means yet, but uh, he they're like meeting in secret. It's cl- and like not even Caprice knows about this. So Tensor is like doing something. It seems like he already knew this guy. Maybe he's done stuff for him before. I don't really know why, but they seem to have some sort of an arrangement where he helps him with um, some detective work uh, underground, getting into these performance art clubs Mm. that the detective can't get into or something. So then we see Tensor going on his own to another performance art show of a man. Um, someone is sewing his mouth closed. He, his eyes are already sewn shut. (laughs) Sorry. Oh God, this is the picture I've seen. No, no, no. I've seen this. I've seen this. This is, this is the picture that made me not ever, ever, ever want to know anything about this movie. Yeah, it's pretty gross. But, um, again, uh, you're not gonna believe me, but it's like funny that, so he does do a pretty beautiful dance. I gotta say he has, he has ears extra ears all over his body. Uh, if they've been sewn on, they look like they're just sprouting no, I, from his I body. think they are just they growing. Again, yeah. like growing additional body parts. Right, right. And he does a, a very beautiful dance and Tensor is in the shadows watching this and talks to a woman and they kind of make fun of him. They're like, oh, he's kind of, he's doing a little too much. Like it's a little, it's <laughs> okay. trying a little too hard. It's just kind of embarrassing. <laughs> wow. They're like not impressed by this guy. And they're like, the ears don't even, he can't even hear through those ears. <laughs> so I know there's little moments like that, that are funny. Mm-hmm. This woman gives him an address of someone who he is looking for i think again on this search for whatever the detective is asking him to do it's foggy for me i don't totally know but he leaves this performance and is stopped outside of the show by scott speedman whose character's name is lang okay and lang says i i have an idea for a show for you Instead of cutting out your own organs, you've got an autopsy machine. How would you like to do a real autopsy? Oh, God, it's going to be for his son. Yep. And he says, my son, uh, you could do an autopsy on him as a performance. And Tensor's confused by this. How old's your son? He He says he was eight. Tensor seems oh, disturbed by that. Always eight. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> All kids are eight. And he says, you have your eight-year-old son's body. And Scott Speedman gives his gives him this look like, yeah, yeah like he's my son. Of course I have his body, you fucking idiot. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and uh, Tensor seems not super pumped on this idea, but a little bit intrigued. He's, you know, considering it, but it's like, all right, I gotta go. I gotta go, man. I'll, I'll talk to you later. And 
while this is happening, we see Caprice goes to another show. And I think the moment that was hardest for me to see is right. It's cut straight to this shot of a woman cutting into another woman's foot with like a, a blade. And she's like really sawing, sawing like onto her top of her foot. And it's, I I didn't like that one. Oh, that's disgusting. And we see the main attraction at this performance piece is a woman who is cutting into her face, cutting basically what looked like gills on her cheeks and forehead. Oh, God. Are you getting a picture of? Uh, Yes. Is that what you're doing? Is that your body language? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, And Caprice is watching this, shedding a tear. She, like, thinks it's an incredible um, performance and goes up to her afterwards and... The woman says something like, oh, like, if you liked it, we could try something for you. And we see later that Caprice puts has something done to her face where they insert little shapes into her forehead. They look like half moons, little crescent moons all in her forehead. I don't know, just uh, just some some body art that she's done. Gorgeous, gorgeous. I don't don't have a photo of that, unfortunately. But we see Tenzer is now going to the man's house that he got an address from, from that woman at the show. Again, I don't really know why, (laughs) what what is the goal here, but he goes to this house and uh, this man tells him he really wants him to enter (laughs) The inner beauty pageant. <laughs> inner beauty? Inner beauty pageant. And he says, uh, we'd love for you to enter best organ. <laughs> but I also think okay. you have a chance at best in show. What? Flattering. <laughs> and Viggo Mortensen, Tenzer says something like, if I win best organ and then I cut it out, isn't that going to be kind of embarrassing for you guys? <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, no. Like, we'd be so thrilled to have you. Like, don't worry about that. And he says, if we could just install this in you for easier access and holds up a little instrument and we don't really know what it is. But then he comes home and reveals to Caprice that the man has installed a zipper into his stomach. And so Ah. you can just basically unzip his stomach to look at all of his organs. Ah. And she unzips it <laughs> in like a sexy in a way sexy way as if it's a fly on pants <laughs> oh my god and licks his insides she makes out with the opening the oh my god henley's face <laughs> henley's not happy this is so gross I, it makes it a lot better that they're all like loving it but I'm really glad I don't have to watch it. Yeah. Sorry, I do have a photo of that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't like seeing that at all. I'm going to pretend like I'm not looking at that right now. <laughs> uh, it is gross. Um, so the next day, ten, uh, Tenzer is trying to... Uh, Samantha, I'll move, I'll move in front of it. it. I'll move in front of it. <laughs> 
Um, Tenzer goes to back to the National Organ Registry. We'll go back to this one. And he's trying to find out more about this whatever group that he's trying to infiltrate of the radical evolutionists. We see a little glimpse that Scott Speedman seems to be part of it. And we get a look at their little hideout area and they're manufacturing all sorts of things from purple plastic. So these candy bars oh. are plastic. They're drinking oh. purple liquids and they're all, all everyone here is eating these things. And Timlin is telling Tenzer, kind of filling him in. She seems to know more about it than he does. And she tells him, you know, they've all altered their organs to be able to eat plastic and I think the detective agency or whatever the the overseeing body is, is doesn't want that. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want people to be able to eat plastic? I mean, that little boy obviously in the beginning could eat plastic because, like, it's wouldn't that be useful? Because there's so much goddamn plastic yes, everywhere. Yes, very much so. I don't know why they don't want it. I think it's just basically hang like holding on to the past and being like it's not right. Okay. Even though it's okay, like it's taboo. Makes, yeah, it's like it just shouldn't. It's it shouldn't be allowed. But but yes, I agree. I think you know probably should. <laughs> and so yeah, she she fills him in on that. And while they're alone together, she's clearly very horny for him. Horny? Did you see? Like horny. Harry said that. <laughs> horny. And here we go. She's like looking at his teeth. <laughs> she just gets all up in his face and sticks her hands in his mouth and starts feeling around at his teeth area and then kisses him. And he pushes her off and kind of smiles and says, sorry, I'm like, I'm not good at the old sex, <laughs> which is fun. They have a little inside joke. Yeah. New sex versus old sex. New sex versus old sex. He can't do old sex. He can only do new sex. Yeah, he can only do new sex. Then we see Tenzer talking to the detective again, and he says that he needs to speak with the woman that we saw in the beginning who killed her son. He said, "I, you know, this guy came to me. I need to know more about this situation and find out this woman who is now in prison for killing her son. Oh. And so he, a little meeting is set up between him and the mother and he talks to her and she's basically absolutely like no remorse. She feels, she says she feels disgusted that that thing ever grew inside of her, that the dad created it, like manufactured it. Just because he could eat plastic? Yeah. She's like, it's not right. It's not human. It's like, I don't, I, I don't feel any regret. I'm like, yeah, sick. That's interesting, though. I'm, um, I guess I wonder what his, what is his motivation for wanting this autopsy then? Cause I assumed it was to confirm that she'd killed him, but that's clearly not it. I guess maybe to confirm that he could eat plastic. Maybe yeah. that's why. Okay. Yeah. So then we see the two technicians from earlier show up at the guy's house who is running the inner beauty pageant and they kill him. 
and okay. we don't, don't know why. We don't see them kill him. We just see them knock on the door and then we see his dead body afterwards. Um, and then Tensor and Caprice go to Lang's to uh, meet with him and find out more about why he wants to do this autopsy. And he has Brecken is his son's name. He has Brecken's body in a, in a fridge. And Caprice is like really upset by this, obviously, and says, you know, so much of our performance art has to do with like it's all consensual and like this isn't consensual and that's mm. a sticking point for me and mm -hmm. he says like he's dead i'm giving you consent like i'm his guardian and the reason i want to do this is because yes everyone in the organization with me yes we all modified our bodies brecken was born this way mm -hmm. and they all have a moment of of shock being like you're saying that you passed something down through genetics that you had done to yourself. Like, how is that possible? That'd be like cutting off two fingers and having a child born without two fingers. Yeah. And Lang says it's this, like the speed of evolution is getting faster. It's what's happening to you also. Um, and I just need the world to know this because it's a good thing and we need to embrace this and if I had had, a, they're like, why didn't you just have a regular autopsy to prove this? And he said they would cover it up because they don't want this to be known. And so I need to make a statement, something that people can't ignore. Hmm. And so they decide uh, to do it. And we get a little boy autopsy. Great, 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 great. <laughs> They um, open him up and again, Timlin is there and the two technicians are there. They're now wearing like black mesh outfits. They're really funny as well. I'm like, you know, not going to do them justice, but um, but they are funny. And so they cut the little boy open and inside his insides are covered in like it's. They call it a hack job. It's like tattoos on a lot of organs, bad stitching on his intestines and Ew. like very clearly not natural. What? Scott Speedman is like horrified. Um, I think I got a little photo of Scott Speedman for us because he's Looking horrified. No, is this, wait, is this because do we think that he was? No, oh. he's not looking horrified. No, he looks totally calm and with it. I just wanted to get just he's hot. So <laughs> he's yeah, he's definitely hot. Um, he looks the same um, always. <laughs> so, OK, so. All right. Is it implied then that someone did alter this boy so that he yes. could have? Yes. And, and Lang is super confused by this and upset and storms out like something is wrong and he outside stops on the front steps and starts sobbing into his hands. And as he's out there crying, the two technicians come and sit on either side of him. And I don't really now remember what they say, but they're very cryptic and like, no, like that's, that's how it is. That's how it was supposed to be. That's everything went according to plan or something like that. And he's like, 
uh, he's like, maybe my wife, my wife might've done this. Maybe my wife did this. And they say, no, it wasn't your wife, but she would probably like this. And they each take out a screwdriver and screwdrive him in the back, like two sides of the back of his head, screw into his skull and just like so much blood pours out. And he is obviously dead, falls forward, dead, tumbles down the stairs, like so much blood squirting everywhere. Okay. So this company that makes this machine, this bed machine that the technicians work for is evil. I think it's all kind of, it seems like each leg of the government or whatever this overseeing body is, is pretty small. Like there's kind of two people in each department. And so... I think it's just everyone's kind of working together. Okay. Yeah. There's basically just two sides to this world is the, the man and the, and the people. And then for some reason, Tenzer, who's kind of going between them and I'm not really sure why. (laughs) Okay. But, uh, so they, they drill him in the head. He falls down the stairs and then they skip down the stairs after him. And then they just like kick him in the head a few times to make sure he's dead. And again, it's pretty funny. Okay. <laughs> Some lighthearted murder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really did. I really did laugh. Oh, you giggled. Yes. And so <laughs> then later we see Tenzer talking to the detective again, like, what the fuck was that? What happened? And the t- detective reveals that it was Timlin and that Timlin did that to the little boy. In order to, he's like, we couldn't have people see that it was natural. Like that oh, can't, we okay, can't. So it was natural. It was natural. Yeah. But they just, they covered it made, up. They covered it up. And I just have no idea when Timlin did this. He had no scars on him beforehand. So I just, I'm confused, pretty confused by that. But the explanation is that Timlin was yeah part of the cover up of this situation and we see Tenzer return home and oh one thing i forgot to mention this whole time Tenzer is like choking on his words always oh, because his right, right. his he's not able to swallow and so he's like <coughs> he's clearing his throat constantly like <coughs> It's really gross, but he, I mean, Viggo Mortensen does a great job. So he's in his little eating chair again, wiggling around and it's not going down. The food's not going down and he's just like spitting it all back up. It looks awful and painful and just so uncomfortable. And eventually Caprice pulls out one of the purple candy bars and says, do you want to try this? And he says, yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time for me to try that. And he takes a bite of it and he swallows it and a tear falls down his cheek and he looks straight into camera. And that's the end of the movie. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yep. That's the end of the movie? That's the end of the movie. Wait, wait, wait. It's wait. Okay. Is Timlin bad? Or is, like, anyone really bad? Like, was Lang the hero of the movie? 
it kind of felt like it maybe i think it's just, it's like a commentary on embracing change versus sticking resisting to it. yeah resisting change and sticking to whatever works in the current bureaucracy bureaucratic like way of doing things um but yeah i mean i think probably most people who saw it saw the benefit in people being able to eat plastic mm -hmm. i don't know that there's a hero in the movie per se but i think and like what is vigo mortensen's whole deal like what is he supposed to be representing he's he's uh, like what you said before kind of straddling both sides and maybe the thing at the end it's supposed to represent the fact that he's chosen he's chosen change even if it kills him yeah i think so i think it is him embracing change and there's a there's an exchange between him and lang at one point where lang says have you ever considered just letting your body grow letting it do what it's trying mm -hmm. to do and caprice cuts in and says no like that would kill him and lang says how do you know like maybe it wouldn't like i think our bodies are trying to change to save us that's interesting that's fascinating yeah so that's a fascinating idea our bodies are trying to change to save us yeah whoa that's cool evolution happening quickly is so crazy too imagine like one generation having evolved in that way is a really crazy concept <laughs> it is it is especially because humans haven't evolved <laughs> right like we're essentially exactly the same as we were forever ago i can't i don't time spans are, are tricky but well, um not to brag but i don't have wisdom teeth i was born without wisdom teeth <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so some things are changing that sounded like a fucking brag to me <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a brag <laughs> um but we technology has changed right that's changed super quickly and super fast but yeah we ourselves our bodies our brains haven't changed except I know. in reaction to that technology in certain ways. So um, like our brains, I think are slightly different because we eat like genetically modified foods and shit right. like that. But um, crazy to think about our bodies actually changing. Yeah. And it feels like it is something that will need to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously with climate change and mm -hmm. not you know, though, I would imagine that if we're going to survive, we'll probably need to be able to live in higher temperatures. Mm -hmm. um, something I've thought about is it seems like we should probably start evolving for women to be able to have children later in life. Seems like very yeah. crazy that you can have kids starting at fucking 14 or whatever. I like know. it's horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Um, and feels very much like, OK, maybe in caveman days that was right but yeah but not anymore <laughs> if we're all right. gonna be living to 100 all the time like we don't need to have babies when we're 14 no no we don't we really don't yeah it's interesting to think like what would what would happen first what would what would be the first uh what would be the first change being able to eat plastic would be very convenient especially considering that we can't you know like the all all plastic isn't recycled anymore you know about this, right? Oh, basically no plastic is recycled. Yeah. It's so dark. It's very we're bad. We're all recycling plastic as if we're doing something and it's all just going into the trash. No, yeah. Basically all plastic is single use. There's like no 
you got to have glass and aluminum. But I even found out recently that aluminum cans are also lined with plastic, which is so crazy to me because I really oh, thought. Oh, my God. But yeah, there's plastic in everything. And so, yeah, that is the interesting part is like, you know, we are ingesting microplastics on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And so, yeah, it would make sense that our bodies would be like, all right, I guess we'll eventually learn how to digest plastic because you're feeding it to us anyways. Wow. What a wild movie. Have you read reviews of it? Do you know like what the reception is like? Um, I think it's mixed. I feel like there's been some positive reviews and some saying that it's like pretentious, which it's a little pretentious, but I enjoyed it. I feel like I didn't let it get to, I don't know. I just was like, I, I think I'm along for the ride for this. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had some fun and I do think it's... Was it long? Uh, hour 45. Not terrible. Okay. Okay. That's also nice. That's also nice. You know, on the plane yesterday, I tried to watch Drive My Car. Mm, that's a long one. Realized like two hours and 15 minutes into it that I had like 45 more minutes to go and I wasn't going to finish it. Three, a full three hours. Yeah. It's a full three hours and the plane was like landing and I was like, holy shit, I still have 45 more minutes of this movie. Am I ever going to watch the next 45 minutes of this movie? I don't know. It's a great movie. Three, three hours. Yeah. Three hours is long. And that's the drive my car particularly is like, you feel the three, you feel it. <laughs> yeah. It's slow moving. Slow, it's slow. Which is like part of moving. what's nice about it. But yeah, it's, you got to be in the right frame of mind for that one. Mm-hmm. You got to carve out three hours. Ooh, don't say the word carve <laughs> after this movie. <laughs> oh. That was horrifying. Samantha, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to tell Emily not to listen or watch this episode. (laughs) I think she should. I think she might. No. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. No. 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 (laughs) Um, Gross. Yuck. But also, I liked it. (laughs) It wasn't as bad as it could have been. Despite the fact there was it involved an eight-year-old boy's death. that's I'm saying a lot. And it, him being cut open and it shows him being cut open. It's not like, oh, it's not left to the imagination. It's like, here's oh. this little boy being cut open. Don't love it. Don't love it. No, not super fun to watch, but I thought everyone was very good in it. The score is really good. I, I don't I probably won't see it again, but it made me want to watch more Cronenberg. Like I said, like, I feel like. I want to see the other crimes of the future. <laughs> the OG crimes of the future. Yeah. I I just think he's a very interesting filmmaker and such a legend in the genre. And I'm excited to cover more of his films in the future. So, you know what, listeners, drop your favorite David Cronenberg film in the comments. Oh. I'd love to know what should be next. Videodrome has always been high on my li- list, but he did crash. Crash, not that crash, different crash. Okay, 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 okay. Because I saw that in the trailer, it was like crash, and I was like, wait, no, what? Not no, okay, different crash, different crash. Which recently <laughs> that makes way more sense. Which recently got back in the discourse because I think there are some plot similarities to Titan in Crash. Oh, I think it is some car human romance. <laughs> 
Oh, did we talk about that in the episode? Maybe I don't. I don't know. But because that's weirdly ringing a bell, actually. Well, it just because this was just at Cannes and Titan won the Palme d'Or last year, and I think David Cronenberg had made a comment about how it was copying Crash or something oh, like that. Really? But then there was a photo of them two together. Look, and Julia Ducourneau looked so excited to be next to David Cronenberg. You know how she's usually just like the fucking calm, calmest, coolest, Mm -hmm. like cool as ice. Mm -hmm. I feel like you could, she looked like a little eight-year-old girl with her hero. It's a really cute photo. (laughs) It's on her Instagram page if anyone wants to see it. I love that. I love that. She's amazing. But yeah, and I mean, this is, I do think actually two people walked out of my screening. This is one of those movies that people walk out of. I think people walked out in Cannes, but I think it also got a six minute standing ovation at Cannes. And so who's to, who's to say if the audiences at Cannes are any reliable indicator of anything. So I don't know. No, a six minute. That's a long time. It is long. Um, were there any fun voices? Oh, Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart <laughs> and also Vigo just choking while he talks. Ew, I don't like that. Let's avoid that. Okay. <laughs> so Kristen Stewart talking fast, talking fast. Sergio's the new Sergio's the new sex. You know that you know it is Sergio's the new sex. So from all of us here at Too Scary Didn't Watch. Goodbye. 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 Thank you, my friends, for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you had fun hanging with us, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at TSDW Podcast. And if you're interested in things like bonus episodes, video, trailer reactions, and other cool content, head on over to patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast. All right, we love you all forever and ever, starting a while ago and continuing into eternity. Adios. That was a HeadGum Podcast.